Thanks for tuning in to the Renew Life Church Lubbock podcast today. We hope this message encourages you as you allow God's word and his presence to change your life. Man, I'm, uh, I'm so excited to be here this morning to get to deliver this word this morning. I really, really am. Highly expectant, highly hopeful, and just, just really eager to see what the Lord might be up to this morning. Come on, are you full of faith? You ready to receive this morning? You full of, well, that was a bummer. Come on, are you full of faith? Are you ready to receive this morning? Yeah, I still don't believe it, but we'll see what happens. I don't know, I'm joking. I really am, I'm excited. I'm gonna preach a message called Faith, Action, and Righteousness, right? So we're going to talk about uh, the place where righteousness intersects with actions and deeds, where faith intersects uh, or where righteousness intersects with actions and deeds, right? How many of you believe this, okay? This one, this one shouldn't be like a split decision, but how many of you believe that our faith should drive us to do something, to take action, yeah? Yes, so that's what we're gonna talk about this morning. Now, how many of you, let me ask another question. How many of you believe that um, our righteousness was sealed by what Jesus did on the cross. This one shouldn't be split decision either, right? Okay. So we have this righteous standing with the Father. That means I don't have to perform. I don't have to strive. I don't have to labor to be received by the Father. Yet we also have this side of our faith that is this, but I'm also supposed to do something, right? So this is what we're gonna talk about this morning is where our faith, our action, and our righteousness all come into play, amen? Amen, let's pray. Jesus, we love you so much. We love you so, so much. And Jesus, I, uh, I welcome you into the room. Thank you so much that, um, that your presence is here, that we have experienced you in worship, that as we have poured out our praise, as we have lifted up your name, that your presence has come. So when we say we welcome you in this room, actually, what I'm saying is I welcome you to change me. I welcome you to change my heart. Come on, if that's your prayer, I just want you to lean in in faith right now and just tell him, yes, Lord, change me. Change me, motivate me, inspire me, shape me, shift me, move me, whatever you need to do, Lord. Because I believe this, that my faith should actually be, um, it should actually be driving me to some form of action. So Lord, I pray that today, as, as we dive into the word together, Lord, that you would actually begin to cultivate this, oh, that you would begin to cultivate this knowing, cultivate this, uh, this understand, I almost tripped, all right? I'm gonna interrupt my prayer. I'm just gonna let you all know I almost fell off the stage, okay? All right, let's just get that out of the way, okay? Now, where was I, okay? Jesus, we love you, help, amen. <clears throat> This is the dangers of moving while you're teaching, okay? <sighs> you ready? All right, let's do it. I'm gonna give you a bit of a roadmap this morning. If you have your real Bibles, you're welcome to go ahead and earmark 2 Corinthians chapter five. Second Corinthians chapter five, and then we're gonna move to 1 Corinthians chapter three. And then we're gonna camp out in the book of James after that. And then we're gonna wrap it up in the book of John, okay? All right, we are going to talk about faith, action, 
and righteousness, okay? Let me start with this. Your faith is intended to initiate action and to cultivate wholehearted and hidden integration with the Father. That's, this is what your faith is intended for. Faith doesn't exist just for the sake of faith alone. Faith actually has two values. Your faith is intended to initiate action, amen? And the second thing is it's intended to cultivate wholehearted and hidden integration with the Father. I believe that oftentimes um, I see this represented in people, good people, well-meaning people, incredible people, people um, that we go to church with, people that engage in a discipleship process with Jesus. But oftentimes what I see is people who are really good at one and not the other, okay? So their faith is really good at causing them to jump into action. But maybe that's from a place of performance because they actually don't have the wholehearted integration piece in line where there's this understanding that they are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Or vice versa, there's people who stay in this place of wholehearted integration with the Father and they protect that and they protect this alignment with the Lord, but they don't allow their faith to ever force them or cause them to step outside of their comfort zone and take action through their faith. I believe that what it looks like to be an apprentice of Jesus, a disciple of Jesus is this, we have to have both. Your faith is intended to initiate action and to cultivate wholehearted and hidden integration with the Father. Let's read in 2 Corinthians chapter five. Now then, since we are ambassadors, someone say ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf to be reconciled to God. Verse 21, for he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Come on, this is the gospel. This is what it's all about. This is why we can sit in this room. This is why we can worship his name. This is what makes us wholehearted sons and daughters. It's not my effort. It's not my laboring. It's not my actions. It's actually what he did that made me righteous, amen? Come on, are you grateful for the blood of Jesus? That's what he paid for, our wholehearted integration with him. Yet, we are called ambassadors in verse 20. An ambassador is someone who is sent to represent a foreign territory. The word sent implies action and effort. Come on, if you are called to represent a foreign territory, a foreign country, something not of this world, that actually takes a little bit of initiative, that takes a little bit of action, that takes a little bit of effort. So where we have this understanding that we are in fact the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, we also have this call and this responsibility to take action with our faith. So what I'm not gonna do is like go down the line and say, the Lord told you, Nick Hernandez, to do this. All right, Perla, your turn. The Lord told you to do this. Like, I could do that, I'm not gonna do that. Um, this is actually where the integration and the wholehearted um, integration with the Father comes into play. I firmly and wholeheartedly believe that if you have not received clarity and direction and vision from the Lord as to what your life is to look like, that could come today. I truly believe that that could come today. Come on, we're supposed to take, we're supposed to take action. This response to the gospel, 
this great exchange of he did while I became. Come on, he died, which meant I get to become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. This should do something inside of you that actually makes you get out of your comfort zone so that the world around you might know who Jesus is. So what does it look like to live wholehearted, fully integrated in connection with the Lord while taking action? This righteous standing that we have obtained through Jesus' blood, it should actually implore us to action. How many of you have heard the term works mentality? You ever heard this before? To have a works mentality? So a works mentality is this. I have to perform in order to receive something from the Father, okay? A works mentality says this. If I do this, fill in the blank, right? If I stop sinning, if I tell my neighbor about Jesus, if I stop drinking, like whatever the thing is for you, if I do this, then God will provide, (laughs) then God will come through, then God will supply. But a righteous mentality says this because it's wholeheartedly integrated with the Father. It says, I will do this because God has already provided. (laughs) God has already come through and God has already supplied. Come on, everything that you need was obtained through Jesus on a cross to live a life of faith, amen? Those whom the enemy can't kill through failure, he will attempt to do so through fatigue. Those whom the enemy can't kill through failure, he will attempt to do so through fatigue. Let me explain that. Many people, friends, allies, family members, and this is my story, they have been taken out by the scheme of the enemy to kill, steal, and destroy, right? It's no secret what the enemy plans to do. But they have been taken out through the enemy's plan to cause them to fail. Maybe it's moments of weakness. Maybe it's sin issues, addiction issues, shame issues, cycles, whatever that looks like. Many people have fallen and lost their way as a result of that. Many, many more have lost their way, not because of failure, because of, but because of fatigue. Let me explain. The enemy is actually really, really comfortable. He's actually really, really okay with you not having a solid understanding of what it means to be the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, because what that's gonna cause in your soul is this. Every single time I fail, every single time I fall, every single time I make a mistake, I gotta start back over from square one. Those who the enemy can't kill through failure, he will attempt to do so through fatigue. Let me tell you, this cycle of sin and shame of forgetting your place in the Father, of forgetting that you are wholeheartedly aligned and integrated, not through your actions, not through your efforts, not through your perfection, but because of what he did. That cycle of forgetting that and falling away from that will cause fatigue in your soul. So the enemy is actually really, really comfortable with you getting caught in this cycle because what it does is this. Yeah, you might get some wholeheartedness. Yeah, you might get to heaven, but you're definitely not taking anybody with you. Because if you can't get out of your own way and understand that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus because of his sacrifice and stay in that place of wholehearted integration with the Father, then every single time you fall, you're gonna find yourself right back in square one. This is not life and life to the full that Jesus promised us in John 10, 10. 
See, whenever I'm living a life of wholehearted integration with the Father and I understand my identity in Him, then whenever I mess up, whenever I slip, whenever I fall, whenever I lose my way, whenever I forget my identity, whenever I have an emotional explosion, whenever I, whatever your story is, what I get to do is I get to immediately reconcile because of what was accomplished on the cross for me. And so God is not in my life, the calculator of lost time. He's the redeemer of lost time. He's not the calculator of all of my sins. It says he forgets them as far as the East is from the West. So when I'm wholeheartedly integrated with the Father, now I can actually take action on his behalf. Those who the enemy cannot kill through failure, he will attempt to do so through fatigue. Don't get caught in this laborious and exhausting cycle of claiming and forfeiting your righteousness in God. When we labor, it's actually no longer for good standing with the Father, but it's from a place of good standing with the Father. It's not for good standing, it's from good standing. And this is the best part, you ready? We actually get to do it alongside him. I'm no longer just working for him as an ambassador. I am in fact an ambassador. You are in fact an ambassador, but I'm not just doing it for him. I get to do it alongside him. Let's read in 1 Corinthians chapter three. I'll be reading out of the New King James. It says this, now he who plants and he who waters are one. I'm sorry, I didn't give you enough time. 1 Corinthians 3 verse eight and nine. I'm a little, I drank an energy drink right before I came up here. <laughs> That's why I almost fell off the stage. <clears throat> Thank you, Matt. You ever feel like you're like watching the world happen? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> First Corinthians chapter three, verse eight and nine. Now he who plants and he who waters are one, and each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. Come on, we're talking about deeds. We're talking about faith with feet, labor, rewards. This is the language. For we are God's fellow workers and you are God's field, you are God's building. Yeah, come on, verse nine is so beautiful. For we are God's fellow workers. Somebody say fellow worker. You know what this means? This means you're not doing it alone. When I've got wholehearted integration with the Father, when I mess up, when I fall into a pitfall of emotionalism or sin, yada, whatever, like guess what? He's right here with you. He's right here with you. Co-laborers with Christ. I believe it's how the New International Version calls it. We are co-laborers with Christ, fellow workers with the Lord. Does anyone have uh, kids and you try to get them to clean their room? Yeah, that's a nightmare. Anybody have young kids? What about like kids south of eight? You try to get them to clean your room? Okay, we'll have a support group right up here on the right-hand side after. Um, they just have a very different definition of what clean is, you know, if we're being really honest. And the truth is this, it'd be way easier if I just went in there and did it myself, right? But then you just have to remember like, okay, we're teaching them something, we're turning them into something and all that other stuff that's really annoying, right? But that's the truth of what it means to be a parent, right? Um, so my, my six-year-old son, Canyon, he's got a very different definition of what clean means. And so what, what it actually, what helps him a lot in his mentality 
Um, his, his mom has way more grace for him in this than I do. I'm like, just get it clean, you know? Um, but if you just walk him through step by step, all right, buddy, we're gonna start with the clothes, okay? You're gonna pick the clothes up and give him the old sniff check. They're clean. Now, his, we don't give him the freedom of the sniff check, okay? Six-year-old snouts are not, are not credible for the sniff check, all right? Neither are 32-year-old male snouts, if we're being real honest. Let's say amen, yeah. Got a couple of hands on them. Um, but we're going to start with the clothes, bud. All right, you're going to pick all the clothes up. And if they're clean, you're going to put them in this stack. We're going to do them together. And then if they're dirty, you're going to shove them in the dirty clothes, okay? Now we're going to move to Legos, okay? You can pick all the Legos up and you can put them in the drawer. All right, after Legos, we're gonna move on to Paw Patrol, okay? We're gonna put uh, Ryder and Rocky and the rest of those little hoodlums, where they go? Step by step, integrated with his father or his mother, usually. Integrated, step by step. This is what it looks like to co-labor with Christ. You're not doing it alone. Go get it done. Go make disciples of all nations. Ready, pray. No, <laughs> it's go make disciples of all nations. And guess what? It's better that I leave because I'm sending someone called the Holy Spirit who's gonna walk with you day in and day out and show you the way and teach you the way so you're never left alone. We are co-laborers with Christ. I think it's learning to slow down and evaluate motivation as you labor with Christ. Look for moments to labor with Christ. I firmly believe that not a day should go by that we reflect on the day and we didn't seize an opportunity to co-labor with Christ. Come on, think about this. I firmly believe that not a day should go by where we reflect and we don't see an opportunity that was taken to co-labor with Christ. Otherwise, what's it mean to be a disciple of his? Is, is the point really that I just live wholeheartedly integrated and I don't share that with the world around me? Come on, we're gonna get to this in a minute in the book of James. I'm getting the cart before the horse a little bit, but is this really the point? That I just feel good about myself because I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus? Right. If I'm being honest, that just sounds like entitlement. Yep. What's it for? It's for the world. Scripture says that you will know them by their fruit. Who is the fruit supposed to be proving something to? Certainly not to the Father, it's to the world. Come on, let us never reflect on a day. Let us never reflect on a day where we didn't seize an opportunity to show the goodness of God. Faith was built for action. Your faith is intended to initiate action and to cultivate wholehearted, hidden integration with the Father. Let's talk about this faith piece in action. I call this faith with feet. Faith with feet, faith that takes action, faith that does something. Golly, Rabe was up here preaching the house down. So good, dude. You got that like sneaky ministry time. You know what I'm saying? So powerful. But I'm listening to these stories of like walking into rooms and watching people literally be raised from the dead. praying over a guy's tumor behind his ear and it falls off in your hand. Gross, first of all. 
I wasn't the only one who thought that, okay? <laughs> I'm just the one with the invasive thought who said it. <laughs> Come on, that sounds a lot like the gospel to me, Rabe. That's right. That sounds a lot like the gospel to me. Sounds a lot like the scriptures I read where faith cleanses lepers, where faith forgives sins. Go now, your, your faith has healed you. Go now, your faith has set you free. Go now, your sins are forgiven because of your faith. Sounds like scripture where faith fed the hungry, where faith rebuked the religious, where faith moved the heart of God just as it moved mountains. Come on, this is what faith is for. It's to create movement. It's to cause action. There should be something happening inside of you on a regular basis because of the faith that's bubbling up inside of you. In practicality and in spirit, the righteous standing that we have obtained through Jesus' blood should implore us to action. My son has a loose tooth right now. And if you have any amount of relationship with him whatsoever, he is going to inform you of his loose tooth. We, we ran into Mariah yesterday at a, a Matt and Kaylee's coffee pop-up. And um, he, she's walking away from the car, walking away. And he goes, I have a loose tooth. <laughs> Why? <laughs> because you need to know. Like, you need to know. There's this thing inside of him that's like, you have to know this. You've got to, he's so excited about this loose tooth. He's oftentimes asking people to put their finger in his mouth and wiggle his tooth. We're like, bud, don't do that. That's weird, okay? Shouldn't be asking your friends to put their fingers in your mouth. Just as like good practice in general. You know what I'm saying? Train up a child in the way they should go. <laughs> Golly, but as I listened to my son call down Mariah yesterday, I was like, oh, that's it. Like, there's this thing happening inside of him that he just can't escape. Come on, this is what faith is. This is what faith is. It should implore some form of action in your life, in spirit and in truth. In spirit, maybe you get a thought. You ever wake up and somebody's just on your mind? You ever wake up in the middle of the night and you just, you have this, you're like, I think that was a, like a prophetic dream. I don't know why I was thinking about that. You ever get to lunchtime and you feel like, You've seen the same person like three times throughout the day and it's just a bizarre occurrence. Here's one for us. You ever go months and years at a time and you just see sequences of numbers? I, I mean, I, I'm being really, really serious here. I believe that the Lord is regularly, routinely speaking to us and it's our ability to slow down and to cognitively process that the Father actually is saying something to you in spirit, but then there's also the in truth piece. Come on, being the hands and feet of Jesus. I'll tell you right now, if you are north of 65 years old and you're in the restaurant when we walk in, my wife is gonna make sure that you're fitting to get your meal bought. <laughs> Something about it, she loves older people. <laughs> and so I try to like in general, like avoid places where older people eat. So our ticket doesn't go like too high. Golden Corral, you know, it's one of them. <laughs> Remember, I drank an energy drink before we got up here, okay? I can only be responsible for about 90% of what I say. Come on, in spirit and in truth, though. In spirit and in truth. In spirit and in truth. In spirit and in truth. I want my feet, I want my faith to have feet. I want my faith to have feet. Our faith should compel us to do something. We're gonna to jump to the book of James as we talk about 
faith with fe- faith in action. Um, I believe that of, of all the disciples, James personifies this most. Um, so James is very much so like a get stuff done type of guy. So James is, uh, he's the He's the brother of Jesus, one of the disciples. And as you read through the book of James, what you observe is like, this guy calls it for what it is. Like he's pretty straight, this guy's pretty straight up. He says it like it is. But James really is going to explain as we read through a couple scriptures in James one and then a couple more in James chapter two, what it looks like to truly be a disciple of Jesus. Now, if anyone knew what it meant to be a disciple of Jesus, wouldn't you think it was one of the disciples of Jesus? Stands to reason. Let me give you some context. So James, uh, this, this book was written about 12 to 20 years after Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. And it was written from the perspective of James, who was a key leader in the church, the global church based out of Jerusalem. So he was a key leader and kind of the hub of the local church as it's developing. So he's making observations uh, throughout the, the churches in the surrounding areas. And the observations that he's making are not great observations. There's disunity, there's inward focus, there's constant bickering, and it's not a healthy situation. So James is writing this book to the local church from that place, from that perspective, to rebuke, to, re, uh, to redirect, and to course correct churches who are unhealthy. Okay, you with me? Okay, that's our context. Let's read in James chapter 1. Verse 19, uh, let's, let's go verse 19, and yeah, I think we'll go through 20, we'll go through 25. Yeah. It says, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Remember his audience, there's bickering, there's quarrels, there's unhealth. So what's he say? Quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness, someone say righteousness, that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they've heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. I told you James was like a get stuff done type guy. I love that he gives us a roadmap for what it looks like to have healthy unity within the church. Quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. I present to you that the more inward focused you become, for the, for, hmm, let me say this the best way. The, the more inward focused you become for prolonged seasons, that's what will lead to bitterness, envy, spite, resentment, and other sources of feuds within a healthy body. What James is observing in these churches in surrounding areas is, hey, you guys have been inward for way too long. So here's what you need to do. Listen to each other. Be kind to each other. Be the hands and feet in Jesus. Let's read on. James chapter two, continuing the letters to the church. He says this in verse 14 of James two. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but no deeds? Can such faith save them? 
Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well-fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, someone say action, is dead. But someone will say, listen to this. I hear him, James is a little snarky, okay? He's a little snarky on this one. He says, some will say, you have faith, but I have deeds. Get this, he says, show me your faith without deeds and I'll show you my faith by my deeds. Come on, that verse has a little stank on it. You know what I'm saying? Show me your faith without deeds and I will show you my faith by my deeds. You believe that there is one God? Good, even the demons believe that and shudder. You foolish person, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together and his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. And he was called God's friend. You see that a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. Let's stop there. I love that James dips back into the Old Testament here. Because what he's observing is this. Hey, you guys got this righteousness thing down. You guys are feeling yourselves. You guys know that you're wholehearted, you're integrated. You know that Jesus loves you, right? Because, because Jesus came and he abolished the law. He abolished the law, so now you can just live wholehearted and integrated with him. But you guys forgot something. You still have to do something. So he reaches back into the, he reaches back into the word, which at the time, mind you, that's what they had to go on. The Old Testament, these are the scrolls that they're reading. Old Testament had not yet been written, or New Testament had not yet been written. So he dips back into our father of faith, Abraham, and he says, do what he did. He had a willingness to sacrifice his own son. And it was counted as righteousness because of what he did. He shares a story a little bit later in this where he talks about Rahab. Rahab the prostitute who shields, who shields God's people from the spies coming to kill him, sends them in the wrong direction. It was her actions, her actions that were counted as righteousness. You might be thinking like, well, this feels a little contradictory. You said, Jesus made us righteous, not my efforts. Yes. But now my actions also are paired with my righteousness. Yes. The answer is yes. I find it very significant that as James is writing corrective letters to the church, he says this, you guys gotta get back to action. You've got to get back to action. A life focused exclusively on the work of the cross for me with no outward perspective of the greater work of the gospel is religious entitlement and pride. A life focused exclusively on the work of the cross for me with no outward perspective of the greater work of the gospel is religious entitlement and pride. Kid, you can go ahead and come up, man. In his departure, Jesus' final words were this. He said, go, go therefore, make disciples. Throughout the book of James, we read this. He says, go, do. Don't just believe, go, do. 
I think it's very significant that James gives the roadmap of what he observes in the local church, cautions against it, and then gives the solution by saying, stop being so inward focused. Look up, look at the world around you. Remember the great commission. Remember what your faith exists for. Yes, wholehearted integration, 100%. Wholehearted integration with the Father and understanding my place with him, that I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Yes, that's the starting point. But oh, that can't be the ending point. It has to be paired with action. So this morning, I want you to intentionally reflect on I want you to intentionally reflect. I want you to intentionally reflect on evidence of dysfunction inside of you because of prolonged inward focus. Evidence of dysfunction because of prolonged inward focus. And then I want you to couple that with the thought Come on, you guys with me? Did you write that down? Prolonged inward focus creates dysfunction. And I want you to pair that with, Father, what are you asking me to do? Some of you have been resistant to outward focus because it feels a lot better to just put the focus on me. It's a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot easier to just work on me, to just focus on me, to just think about me. My season, my faith, my journey, my story. (laughs) You missed it. I just be really honest, you missed it. I think there's seasons. I think there's seasons for inward focus. My wife and I, 2019, we were We found ourselves in a season where, honestly, there was just a ton of dysfunction in here. It was all up in here. (laughs) So the Lord kindly took me into this place where where I, I was forced to reconcile some stuff inside of me, but not just so I could stay in that place of existing and cleaning me up and getting better and becoming more wholehearted and into all these like flashy, beautiful church terms we associate with it to justify staying here. I mean, really honest, you get comfortable in that place and then you look up and you kind of just hate the world around you. You're bitter at your church, you're mad at your friends, you're disgruntled with your leaders. You're lacking connection and intimacy with the world around you. Constantly looking for the next high, the next purpose. God, what are you gonna do? Like, where where are you taking me? If you find yourself in, in that place for an extended period of time, can you please just open your eyes and look up? Can you please, 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 please open your eyes and look up? There is a world, there is a commission, there is a call. So, so, so much broader that goes beyond what you're doing right here. If your inward focus is just turning into more dysfunction, get out of it. Open your eyes, look beyond.
What is the evidence of prolonged inward focus? Do you like it or do you don't? <laughs> do you d don't, don't, no. <laughs> Lord, what are you asking me to do? Some of you, it might be as simple as just like moving out of a season. Come on, wholeness is as close as the next breath. It's not some massive drawn out 10 year cycle. It's just as close as the next breath. Oh yeah, I'm sorry, I'll change. <laughs> it's actually that simple. Okay, I'm sorry, I'll change. It might be as simple as that. It might be some intentional conversations. They're really uncomfortable. Some apologies. I sent one of these the other day. Hey, I've just been a, I've been a jerk, man. I'm, I'm sorry. I've been snappy. I've been disagreeable. I've been confrontational. I'm sorry because my focus was here and what your stuff was causing me and what your system was causing me. Your process was causing me. Instead of getting my eyes up, getting my vision broader and remembering like, oh yeah, I'm a part of something bigger and people aren't perfect. And I've actually got a role to play. Come on, can we just be real? <laughs> some of you might need to have some really hard conversations at work with family, with friends, with what, like, what do you need to do? Some of you need to start volunteering in this church. Being a part of the body helping to achieve as a part of a body beyond yourself. So Lord, what are you saying? What are you doing? What are you saying? What are you doing? We'll end with this concept. I'm gonna read out of John chapter 10 in just a moment if you wanna get there, John chapter 10. I wanna talk about performance versus participation. You can perform for God. You can do that. But that is that laborious cycle of, yeah, I dropped the ball again. Back to square one. Yeah, I dropped the ball again. Drop back to square one or you can co-labor and you can participate with the Father. Performance versus participation is determined by position and motivation. From what position am I laboring and what is the motivation of my labor? Position from which we labor is the first thing. Performance says this, Lord, I will do this so you will bless me, so you will like me, so you will forgive me, accept me, so you will make me righteous. That's what performance says. Participation says, Lord, thank you for your grace to do this alongside you. And that by grace, through faith, you're counting my efforts in faith as righteousness, just as you did for Abraham. Let's read John 10, 10 as we talk about motivation. I'm sorry, John 10, 37. Do not believe me unless I do the works of my father. But if I do them, even though you don't believe me, believe the works that you may know and understand that the Father is in me and I in the Father. 
This is Jesus talk, talk, talking to the religious scholars, right? He's talking to the scholars. They think he's a heretic. Uh, they think he's sacrilegious because he calls himself the son of God. So they've got disdain in their hearts. So Jesus steps up and says, hey, that's okay. You don't have to believe me. Believe the works. Come on, your faith should have feet. It's not that you have to prove it to the Lord, but oh, you do have someone to prove it to. It's called the world around you. Come on. <laughs> Signs are for the unbeliever. Fruit is the evidence of your life for the unbeliever. We reap the benefits. We're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. But it should be creating something externally that the world around you craves. Come on, this is faith with feet. Amen. Thanks again for listening today. If you'd like to join us in person for church, Renew Life meets every Sunday morning at the YWCA at 6501 University Avenue in Lubbock, Texas. For more information on our ministry, check out renewlifechurch.com or find us on social media. We hope to see you soon.